Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Cipramil, Lexapro, Prozac, Zoloft, Valdoxin, Pristique, Amira, Antrip, Allegron, Nardil. The chances are you probably know someone who takes one of these or the many others listed in this category of drug. To take that into my own hands after I was in a pretty bad place with everything that was going on in the world and how I was trying to mourn my friends in the midst of everything, I was in a place where I wanted to bring up the option of going on medication and that was received really well by my psychologist and my GP. Yes, all of those drugs are antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications. Today, we're going to look into the use of antidepressant medication here in Australia, why we need them, what they do, and why many are so worried about telling people they're on them, as the stigma surrounding the treatment of mental health issues remains even more taboo than the illness itself. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Just a warning that today's quickie discusses mental health issues and suicide. If this is a trigger for you, maybe sit this one out. Please also note that we're discussing the use of antidepressants in general, and this advice isn't specific for you. Please speak to your doctor if you think you might need some help, or if it's urgent, call Lifeline 13 11 14. According to OECD data, Australians were the second largest per capita users of antidepressants in both the year 2000 and 2015, beaten to the top spot by Iceland. Since 2015, prescribing rates have continued to rise, and by 2018, more than 3 million Australians were given a prescription for an antidepressant. A 2017 study by the World Health Organisation found that out of 180 countries, Australia has the second highest prevalence of depressive disorders at 5.9%. That's despite continually ranking high in happiness studies. For Emmeline, this last year was a bit too much to handle, with her ongoing anxiety spiking during the pandemic. It led her to finally take action. So I am on antidepressants for mostly my anxiety, which I've always kind of struggled with, but it really manifested in a different way during COVID and in a way that I felt like I needed extra help with. Depression runs in my family, so that is probably a a part of it as well. But to me, my anxiety, it was impeding on me being able to do things that I wanted to do in my life. Unfortunately, I just had a friend die by suicide, and I think that was the catalyst for me to 
actually go to my GP and my psychologist and ask for them, which is something I'd never considered doing. I kind of thought that antidepressants were something that someone had to look at your life and decide it was bad enough and offer them to you. But to take that into my own hands after I was in a pretty bad place with everything that was going on in the world and how I was trying to mourn my friends in the midst of everything, I was in a place where I wanted to bring up the option of going on medication. And that was received really well by my psychologist and my GP. Obviously, it's a big conversation, but they were like, well, of course, that's always an option. She says taking the medication for the first time wasn't scary at all, and she was fully prepared for what might happen. The way that I would describe being on them is I feel like myself, but without the cloud of anxiety that was stopping me from being happy, basically, and being able to get in touch with all the things in life that make me happy. So I think a lot of the misconceptions around antidepressants is that they'll dampen you, basically. They'll make you dull or they won't give you any motivation or you won't be the same person. But I feel like the exact same person I was before, but me on a good day, basically. But every day, which is a relief. Emmeline experienced some side effects from the antidepressant she is currently taking, and it's something she needs to continue to monitor. The main side effect I experienced was a huge reduction in my appetite, and I still have that, which is really strange for me because I would eat a lot. I still enjoy food, but often I feel like I don't want to eat lunch, which was like my favourite part of the day and stuff like that, or I don't eat breakfast till a lot later. I would usually have to eat breakfast before I even left the house. And so it's it's kind of a weird thing to have that taken away from you. And it's something that I've had to also keep an eye on because if you've just suddenly stopped eating the amount of food that nourished your body before, you can, you know, make yourself sick. There wasn't a really good treatment for depression and related disorders right up until the 1930s, when research by Klaus Schmiegel, a Swiss organic chemist, led to the creation of Prozac. But it wouldn't be until the 1950s when we would finally have the first specifically antidepressant drugs. There are several types, most of which focus on the manipulation of your serotonin levels or affect neurotransmission. So what mental health disorders do we actually use these medications for? Philip Boyce is a professor of psychiatry at Westmead Hospital, where he's also the head of the Perinatal Psychiatry Clinical Research Unit. He specialises in depression and anxiety disorders. Professor, in what cases do we use antidepressants? Well, obviously, the first condition we're wanting to think about antidepressants for are people suffering from a clinical depression. That's a clinically significant depression that's all causing some degree of impairment for the person, not just feeling unhappy. So clinical depression, but it's all they also prescribed for the anxiety disorders, panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, and so on, where they're shown to be very effective. Are there conditions, cases of clinical depression or an anxiety disorder where antidepressants don't work? Look, not all people respond to antidepressants. The other thing is that a lot of people suffering from anxiety disorders or depression will do very, very well with basic psychological treatments rather than having to go on to antidepressants. It's only when it becomes a bit more severe that we'll be thinking about using antidepressants. We know from research only about 50% of people will respond to the first antidepressant they put on. They may not have an adequate response to to that one. And they may need to go on for another antidepressant or have other strategies to improve the effectiveness of the antidepressant. Philip, why do you think with 
the discussion around mental health becoming so much louder and clearer now, why do you feel the stigma surrounding the use of antidepressants still persists? Look, I don't know. I think it's a long-held stigma. There are some people that say you're, you're, you're weak if you take an antidepressant. I think that that stigma is going down, and I think a lot more people are comfortable taking an antidepressant. But it still persists. I think it's very hard to change those sort of attitudes. It may take another five, ten years before they're seen as completely acceptable for everyone to be able to, to use. Is there anything wrong with being on an antidepressant long term? Generally, we'd recommend that if someone's on an antidepressant, they should remain on it for about six months to a year and then slowly come off the antidepressant. The problem with being on it long term is all these medications do have some side effects. The other thing is it may not protect you against further episodes of depression, even though you're on the antidepressant. Generally, we think it will. So we don't recommend long-term use in the first instance. For some people who have recurrent depressions, then we would think that maybe it is appropriate that they do need to be on long-term antidepressants. The reasons for depression being at such high levels here in Australia have been credited to a few things. One is the lack of support for people with mental health disorders, and the other is the fear and stigma surrounding both mental health and the use of antidepressants that holds people back from seeking treatment. Untreated depression can also increase the risks of suffering from other issues such as substance abuse, diabetes, heart disease and, of course, a higher risk of suicide. So let's get the facts on antidepressants with Dr. Azelle Labashain, an academic at the Australian Catholic University who has extensively researched the use of the drug. Doctor, do antidepressants work the same for everybody? The thing with antidepressants is that there are lots of different types and the reality is that there's always, with so many things in life, there's no one size fits all. You know, they consist of different chemicals. They can be based on serotonin or dopamine or norepinephrine. And we all have different reasons for why we want to take them. And so they definitely work differently for different people. Why most people take them is that they typically are prescribed to reduce our symptoms. And typically this involves things like depressive mood or anxiety. However, many people may not know that around 30% of antidepressants are prescribed for things such as off-label use, so for things that we are not, don't typically associate them with. This can include things like sleep better, things to increase our appetite or our concentration, and also for pain and migraines. And so with our busy, high-flying lifestyles these days, it's not too uncommon to experience any of these types of symptoms in a severe form. And so this is worth having a discussion with your doctor to weigh up the risk and benefits of potentially being prescribed an antidepressant. Now, with most medications, there's this kind of expectation that you take it and then all of a sudden you'll feel better. Is that the case with antidepressants? Do they work straight away? No, the thing with antidepressants is they definitely don't work immediately. And so this is where one needs to be very patient. It can take some weeks. We're talking about three to four weeks to see improvements. Some may need a gradual increase in their dose. So just over... Half of people who do take antidepressants feel better within the first treatment, but many also need to try more than one or go through changes in their dose before they feel better. And often this can take anything from six to nine months, if not a year. Can we talk through some of the side effects from antidepressants? And there's some that come up quite consistently, things like it turns me into a zombie, I can't feel highs or lows, I'm just in the middle all the time, or that it's changed my personality, or it's affected my libido. Are they common side effects with antidepressants? So there are lots of side effects with them. And again, these these side effects that affect us all very differently. 
Some of the common side effects with antidepressants involve things like headaches, agitation, nausea, sleeplessness, drowsiness, reduced sex drive is one of the symptoms. Dry mouth is quite common. Um, you can also have problems with weight gain. And so because medications affect us so differently, the best thing to do is to just keep talking to your health professional to ensure that you do come up with the best outcome because we can adjust them to ultimately get to a better outcome. Are there non-medical options for treating depression and anxiety? And when does that kind of tip over into you absolutely should be prescribed antidepressants? Absolutely. So in Australia, the number one treatment option for anxiety or for depression is what we call talk therapy or things like cognitive behavioural therapy that really gets down to the underlying psychological problem and dealing with it from a behavioural perspective. And this kind of talk therapy or cognitive behavioural therapy really is what can give us the longer term outcomes and avoid the symptoms from coming back. A key thing to know with antidepressants is that they do not cure and so they they really just there to reduce the symptoms. Doctor, there seems to be a real push for people to get off of antidepressants once they're on them. I have friends who constantly get to a good place and then the first thing they want to do is stop the medication. What do we say to people who are afraid of being on antidepressants? The thing that we need to do is to is to normalize the topic of taking antidepressants and and emphasize that there is a place for antidepressants in our society. Podcasts like this and other social media outlets are a great way to communicate this. The message should be that antidepressants do work, but not for all. Some work better than others, and they are often one piece in the puzzle towards making people feel better. While antidepressants are now more than 60 years old, we are still discovering things that can have a positive impact on mental health issues like depression and anxiety. Professor Ian McGregor from the Department of Science at the University of Sydney is a Principal Research Fellow of Psychopharmacology and Academic Director of the Lambert Initiative for Cannabinoid Therapeutics. He says medical cannabis has a role in helping those with depression and anxiety. We're actually part of a fairly substantial research program into medicinal cannabis and a lot of people have used cannabis to reduce anxiety. I mean, it should be acknowledged that Cannabis can actually increase anxiety in some people, but there's a component in the cannabis plant called CBD. There's a lot of hype around CBD at the moment, but CBD is very interesting because it doesn't get you at all intoxicated. It doesn't really have any side effects at all, but it seems to have quite a strong ability to reduce anxiety and perhaps uh, improve your mood as well. So I guess it's very interesting in terms of the fact that its side effects are substantially lower than your conventional antidepressants and it seems to have this sort of magical effect almost on anxiety in a lot of people. So how far along is this research, Ian? Are we looking at something that could be a reality in the next five years, ten years? Well, it's already happening. So a lot of people are accessing CBD through the existing medicinal cannabis scheme that was introduced by the Australian government in 2016. It's quite expensive, so it's not subsidized by the PBS, which is a problem for you know people who don't have a lot of disposable income. But there's certainly a few thousand people in Australia who are already getting CBD for their anxiety. Are there long-term studies on the effects of using CBD? We completed a study actually down in Melbourne with severely anxious teenagers, and it was quite an interesting 
study, we quite deliberately picked the worst of the worst. These were kids that couldn't get out of the house, they couldn't go to school, they couldn't go to uni. And anxiety in teenagers is particularly hard to treat because teenagers don't always respond to antidepressants the way that adults do. We did a 12-week study with CBD in that cohort and got quite remarkable effects. The, the vast majority of them responded very well to CBD. About half of them almost achieved full remission from their anxiety symptoms. So this was a small study and it wasn't placebo controlled, but these are very, very encouraging results that we will be following up with uh, much larger studies in the future. Ian, are we looking at, you said in full remission from their anxiety symptoms, are we talking about CBD as being a potential cure for these issues or is it like an antidepressant that it treats the symptoms but not necessarily the root cause of the problem? Yes, that's a really important point and we did do a three-month follow-up in this study and unfortunately at the end of the treatment with CBD we couldn't secure further supplies for these young people. And uh, three months afterwards, when they were no longer using CBD, most of the symptoms had returned. And you make a very important point, and that is, you know, with prescription antidepressants, they're not necessarily going to cure your anxiety or depression, but they might give you some breathing space to kind of work out the issues that are affecting your your mood and, and your well-being. And in doing that, they may encourage remission that way. With the discussion around mental health starting to become less of a taboo in 2021, now is the time to also start backing away from demonising those who take medications to help them with the symptoms. For Emmeline, it's as simple as realising the people you know and love around you could be taking them right now and be too ashamed or scared to even let you know. I really do think that so many people don't understand how many people are on antidepressants. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's increased since COVID. I think that when people don't talk about it and they don't know that that's even an option out there or that they could talk to their doctor about it or see a psychologist, the more people that talk about their mental health journey, the more it's going to help other people. At this point in my life, I am not even thinking about coming off them. And I want to make sure that they help me get to a really stable place and that I speak to my doctor and we decide together like the right time for me to go off them. And I have no idea if that's going to be in six months or five years or whatever that looks like. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by Siobhan Moran-McFarlane and myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Jacob Round. And if there's a news story you'd like us to check out in a little more detail for you, hit us up on email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au or find us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.